like too repetitive. Yeah. No, it's, it's always relevant to me because it, they keep revving up the crazy, <laughs> you know? All right, you guys tell me when you're ready. All right. Okay, guys, we are rolling into another episode of the Candace Owens Show. I had a thought the other day that maybe um, we are the most ir irresponsible adults um, in terms of how we are having the children react to certain stories. Imagine being a child today, okay? Let's just take these last couple of months. Uh, first, you're told by adults, uh, the media, uh, people around you, your parents, that climate change is going to kill you. You are going to die. You're not going to live beyond 10 years. Imagine that anxiety. But wait, because it's going to get worse. Just around the corner is World War III because we are living under an evil dictator who has inspired war with Iran. Is this responsible? Are we ramping up the crazy in society? Here to discuss with me is my dear friend and author of the book, which is out now, Don't Burn This Book. Don't burn it, guys. Dave Rubin, welcome back to The Candace Owens Show. Candace, I'm very happy to be here. I feel like I built Candace Owens. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like Geppetto in this situation. Early stock in Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And look at you now. Look at <laughs> look at what happened. It's crazy. It I know. is crazy. And, and it's exciting because I'm, I'm so excited that I'll be back on, on your show soon um, because I think we've sort of kind of gone through this together. Like when, you, yeah. when you and I first met, I was still – very on the fence about a lot of topics. You know, I was sort of waking up, coming out of my spell and yep. saying, I thought I was a liberal, but maybe I'm not a liberal and here are my ideas. And I was fortunate to go on your show because you never really pushed me too hard. You'd be like, it's okay, come out. Well, I could see you doing it, yeah. right? Like, and that's what everyone is doing. Everyone except the truly partisan crazy people who are trying to make us all crazy all the time. Most thinking people are actually living every day kind of trying to figure out what's true, kind of trying to figure out what's right. And by the way, not everything's political. Some people have to work, you know, they go to jobs, things like that. They might have kids, you might have a dog you have to take care of or a grandparent or some other stuff, or you might have hobbies. You might want to go outside, you might want to play video games, whatever you do. And we live in this time where it's like, if you don't think absolutely everything in a certain way, then a certain set of people are going to come to, to destroy you, which is why I like that you started this about the kid thing. Right. Because imagine so being scary. a kid. And, you know, you see this all the time with these people, and it's usually blue check lefties on Twitter that tweet these incredible stories about what they're going through with their children. <laughs> My child just came into the bedroom and said he's eight years old, and he asked me that if the Dow Jones crashes, how will that relate <laughs> to the S&P mortgage, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I don't know. That's what we have to deal with in a time of Trump. I love that. I'm like, putting yeah. your kids in front of things that you're obviously saying that I'm like, this did not happen. I'm sorry. Your your, your kid didn't do that. Your, your four-year-old didn't do that. It's all craziness. <laughs> About three years ago, I asked my then seven-year-old nephew because all, I, there, there was this like rush of this happening on Twitter with where they're using their, you know, imaginary <laughs> kids all the time. So I actually asked my seven-year-old nephew, who's a pretty bright kid, I said, what do you think of Donald Trump? I swear to God. And he looks at me and he goes... He has bad hair and he has a big red tie. That's what a kid would say. That's exactly right. That's what a right. kid would say. A kid wouldn't say, oh, his feelings on immigration are counter to the UN narrative on da 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 da, da. But they want to keep – it's not – see, now they're using kids, which is a really twisted thing. And you're right because imagine you're, a, you're an eight-year-old kid and your parents are kind of crazy about politics because everyone's crazy about politics. And then AOC, who is an expert in absolutely nothing, comes out and says the world's going to end in 12 years unless we pass my Green New Deal, <laughs> which is a complete overhaul of the U.S. economy and it's completely insane and all that stuff. But you're eight years old. Now, I don't know that you're doing math at, at eight years old where you're like, oh, I'm going to be you know, 20 in 12 years. But to think that means in your mind, sometime in my lifetime, like the whole thing ends. Right. And it's, it's just such alarmist lunacy and how it's like we've had these things like like I remember we're, we're not that old, Candace. I remember when Y2K was was happening. And I swear to you, I remember that the next day, like once midnight struck and we made it into 2000 and we were OK. I swear to you, I remember thinking to myself, I'll never fall for one of these again. I'm so old. I remember when net neutrality was going to kill us it, all. You know, net neutrality wiped out half my family. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm so sorry. Yeah, and the and other was, half uh, are now suffering from 5G the sickness. The internet will never be the same again. Yeah. I, I mean, and it really is. You wonder why we've kind of gotten into um, this society. And I, and I spoke to Jocko Willick about this, but the society where you're seeing more and more kids that need pills, yeah. right? Kids that need Xanax younger um, to deal with the anxieties of life. And they're saying it's because, you know, life has gotten more complicated. You know, pe- there's more pressure on them. But actually, no, it's because you're constantly putting more, we're putting more pressure on them, right? This yeah. is, we are the problem, right? When you have a media and you have people that are supposed to be responsible parents that they trust, telling them that they need to care about this, the world's going to be over. You know, for the examples where they actually did have children that were crying, I remember the same thing. My child's been crying all day because Hillary, Hillary didn't win and she doesn't think that it means that she can do anything yeah. as a young woman. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If your child was so plugged in to politics and, and, and that they said that, you did that. Yeah, right, that, that, that's trickle, that's trickle down emotion. You put that emphasis and that pressure on your child to believe that they had no chance at striving to anything ever unless Hillary Clinton won. I mean, I guess at some level it sounds cliche, but it really is a crisis of meaning. These people that are trying to fill their lives endlessly with politics, and it's sort of funny because like we're political creatures, although we're sort of cultural creatures also, and those things have kind of you know, become, they've morphed into one thing, which I think there's there's good in that and there's also bad in that. But all of these people, they don't really have meaning. So every morning they wake up and then they go, what's, what's the next crisis? And they go from one crisis to another. And I think one of the challenges for people like us, and we both are probably good at at times and fail at at times, is how not to also ratchet it up, right? Because mm-hmm. you see crazy, right? You see the same people. And without even getting into some of the names, there are just some people who got Russia wrong, who got, you know, all of the things that you just listed wrong. And it's like, you see them tweet out some other crazy thing. And it's like, you want to destroy them. But then I also don't want to endlessly be adding to the chaos. And I think that also is a bit of a challenge for the people that are somewhat sane throughout this. Like you want to take out bad ideas, but sometimes if you become so obsessed with that, you start becoming what you hate. You know right. what I mean? You, you, you gaze into that thing for too long and, and you'll become it. So I've survived enough apocalypses. And then even when I, I've survived enough apocalypses. And <laughs> Good I'm like, title for your next book. Right, I've right. survived enough, enough apocalypses. They should, science, they should study me, right? It's incredible. I've lived through all I don't of know these, how you did it. these apocalypses. And you I'm like still here. You in like some kind of gamma radiation Seriously, situation I must have yeah. good good genes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I do. And, I, and I, I almost feel like I add my voice. I, I don't still don't consider myself to be a political figure. I consider myself to be an anti-political figure because I think that everything is being politicized. And I try to just be rational and say, like, calm down. Yeah. Calm down, everybody. Just relax. Because I, I do kind of worry that we're, we're creating these kids. They're just not they're, – they're literally going to be freaking out. They already have life stress. They don't need to think that they're going to die, you know, every two weeks. And we need to be more responsible. And it's, it's interesting to, to, to see how – you talked about this transition of how politicians are now using kids because there was this remarkable moment that I haven't gotten to discuss yet. Um, but in, you know, Pete Buttigieg is no longer in the race. But um, when he was running, he had a town hall like they all oh, have. Oh, yes. The moment where a fourth yes, grader, yes. he magically plucked the question, by the way. This was by chance. No, it was incredible. Right? What and, are the chances and, and, and that this could happen? It's this amazing. question yeah. it just happened to be, you know, a gay kid asking, saying, you know, I also am gay. And, you know, how should I come out? He And the gay, I guess the fourth grader, oh, the fourth grader wanted to. How should to, I come how out? How should you, I come uh, out? You know this on uh, CNN. Yeah. Yep. He wanted to do it that way. And I yeah. just said, this is this isn't real. This is this isn't real. This is using a kid to score some political points to give some answer that you already have planned. That's supposed to make people that are gay, lesbian, bi, and trans vote for you. Yeah. And that moment really bugged me. Well, everything feels staged at the moment, right? And I think that really is Trump's greatest gift. That for Trump, a guy who's orange with this crazy hair and has strange intonation and inflection when he speaks, that he is more real than all of these people. That is an incredible incredible thing. So when they stage these things and the kid comes out there and Pete gives a sort of packaged answer, it's because they're still trying to trick us. Whatever is left of mainstream, and there isn't much left of it. And I think actually one of the biggest problems we have right now is there's basically a truth divide. And then on top of that, they do these these prepackaged, rehearsed, ridiculously stiff and inauthentic things like having this kid get up there. And also, I mean, I don't know how far you want to go into it. I mean, having a a fourth grader talk about his sexuality on stage with a presidential candidate is also bizarre. And let's also not forget that the real radical leftists, they were pissed at Pete the entire time because he's not gay enough for them, right? He's gay, meaning he 
is married to a man, but he doesn't identify as queer, meaning accept the entire intersectional outlook of life. Now, package. I happen to appreciate that. I don't I don't really like right. Pete per se, uh, and I think you know this. We were going to have Pete on my show. His comms team had agreed to it via Twitter, and we started emailing, and then Vox and HuffPo and Media Matters all started going after him, and next thing you know, they, they stopped responding to our e- How'd emails. How'd that work out for him? Didn't work. Yeah. And you know what? It's not that's... <laughs> But that's the point because I knew it's like – now, I don't know that Pete had a decision of we're not going to do Ruben Report because Media Matters is going after us. But it tells you about the type of people he hires. It tells you about a bunch of people who operate – that, oh, we do bow to the mob. This is the person yeah. that you need to be if you're going to get to the next the next spot. And the funny thing is it hasn't worked for them, right? Pretty it sure. hasn't worked for them. So like they've, they're actually – they should have learned the lesson uh, since 2016 that manufacturing your personality doesn't actually work. Being yeah. authentic carries you further. I mean, you know, on, on the on the other side of the a coin, you, know, you have Trump who won in 2016 um, and uh, he went on Infowars, which is like the, supposed to be, the, the, you know, the fringe, horrible, if you go on this, your life is over thing. He, on 2016, went on Infowars and spoke with Alex Jones yeah. and he's president of the United States. So you would think that just in, in, in retro assessment, people would say, you know what, I'm just going to be authentic and talk to people. I'm going to say what I believe everywhere. It doesn't matter who I'm speaking to. You shouldn't be nervous to say, if you are who you are and you're not going to suddenly adopt all of my views because you're on the Canada Show and Show yeah. and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to adopt all of your views because yeah. I'm on the Rubin Report, yeah. it's, it's okay. Wait, it's you're, okay. you're not going to adopt all my views next time. I you're don't on? think unless here's and here's the big question. You're not going to marry a gay dude, Candace. Come I, on. I, I may. I don't know. I don't know. But here's the big question. <laughs> Are you still a liberal? Oh, here we this go. This is the big question, and here I've been pushing go. pushing you on this for years because I just don't see. Yes. So last time I was in here, this is how we started the conversation. What I said to you is I am now trying to conserve, because you're a good conservative, I am trying to conserve liberalism. And I think for most of you conservatives, uh, for all of you guys, you want sane liberals, right? You don't want – you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, that you want a healthy tension between the two sides, whether that's right, left, Democrat, Republican, uh, authoritarian versus libertarian. You want tension in, in a free society. You want some tension just to make sure that neither side goes off the deep end. You just want that. Um, look, there is no piece of me that can say with a straight face that when when most people say liberal, they're not talking about me. They're, they're talking about leftists. And I know we've, we've done this many times, right? right. Um, I would say this, and this is this is my true challenge, and this is partly what the book is about, um, is that for conservatives, if you guys can carve out a little space for some people that you disagree with, so you know my position, you know I'm I'm pro-choice, but very begrudgingly, and actually in the book I now say it's it's first trimester, and then only with minor minor exceptions beyond that. I do concede that I actually do think it is killing a life. I do believe that is a life. Well, that's that actually um, is is part of the thing. I think if more liberals could concede that it was yeah. actually a life, that that's the point. It's it's pretending it's not a life, and then and then glorifying and then glorifying it. it. Well, that's I always, the, that's the problem. <laughs> you know, I've I've debated this topic with with Dennis Prager on my show and with Shapiro and many other people. And one of the things that always comes up is that these guys can make pretty sound arguments. And if your if your argument starts with that conception is life, well, okay, it's it's tough for a pro-choice person to argue with that because, right, it's like if we found a speck of anything on the moon, you know, a cell, we'd say it's life. So I can I can make that concession. What I find interesting, though, it's not really the pro-life arguments. And you and I have deba- debated this over dinner, right? So it's not really the pro-life arguments that actually have pushed me, let's say, more right on this. It's actually the hysteria of the left. It's the obsession with making it this fetishized, um, glorified thing. You mean you didn't find it sexy when when Miley Cyrus got half naked and put her tongue out and and said, you know, abortion is something and, and was happy about it? You didn't find it moving when, when Michelle M- Williams gave that speech talking about how she had to kill her baby in order to get that trophy? Yeah. Well, what was the one that was even worse? That wash-up actress recently, oh, the blonde woman, um, and she's screaming that basically her whole career, which didn't even turn out that great, right, right, was yeah. due to her abortion Hence at 15. Hence the reason 15. we can't even remember we her name. We can't even remember her name. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's some random actress. But, but because of their unhinged attitudes towards this, it's not that someone else's attitude can change what I fundamentally believe, but there is a sort of reality to politics that you go, all right, if I've got all of this craziness over here and a set of ideas that I maybe disagree with, but it's it's rooted in something real, it's rooted in individual rights and everything else, well, then you will actually gravitate one way. So to answer your question, which was, am I still a liberal? I would say if, if the wide tent of conservatism 
can accept some ideas that are a little more libertarian, a little, you know, you don't have to agree on everything, but if they want that purity test of you got to agree with us on absolutely everything to be in this thing, then, then no. But I would say by any estimation in that I am trying to conserve something that I think the founders were trying to conserve, that I think that I think the, the last remaining liberals, whoever they are, you know, we're in a little bit of a Jedi after Order 66 situation. They've just been slaughtered across the galaxy. That's a great reference for your husband, even if it's slightly <laughs> going over your head. Um, we're, we're in that situation. So I don't know that it matters that much. What I can tell you is- It matters, I, Dave. We need an answer. I, you want like that full on- My listeners need to know. Listen, I would say this. I like conservatives. I like hanging out with conservatives. I like debating conservatives. I never find a rude conservative. It's almost impossible to find. I get nothing but love from conservatives. I spoke, you know this, I spoke at Liberty University, the largest evangelical uh, Christian, conservative Christian college in America. I spoke in front of 14,000 people. You've done the exact same gig. These people know my views. They know I'm married to a man. I got a standing ovation. They couldn't have been nicer. I wandered around campus for a couple hours. People coming up to me saying all sorts of nice things. By the way, some people did come up to me and say, you know, I'm praying for you. And I don't know if they meant that I'm praying for you, meaning I'm trying to pray the gay away or I'm just praying like your continued success or whatever. But it would almost be irrelevant to me. Even if someone yeah, – if someone, I'm praying the gay away. Well, that's not offensive. If they're not saying I'm going to, you know, come – me over the head. Me over the head. Yeah. We're going to put you, put you somewhere you shouldn't be. I'm, yeah. pray, I'm praying for you. And, and by it's the like, way, okay, I can someone, deal with that. Someone that comes up to you with a smile on their face and says a bunch of nice things and then says, and I'm praying for you. Right. That's actually a lot it's nicer nice. than, than a progressive who will scream all day how much they love gay people and then will – unleash endless hate on me because I don't bow to them. So, you know, this is where this idea of tolerance and all of these things, I think, I think broadly speaking, conservatives have done a really nice job in the last couple of years of cleaning up whatever those bad parts are. The point is that um, conservatives still often, I think, should take the libertarian approach on it, be okay with a state-by-state -state situation, but there's still a, a certain layer of conservatives that take a sort of more moral position and on I, it you know and I, that it's going to infect society. And by the way, I'm not trying to change those people's opinions. That's the part that I really want to tell you. That, I'm not here to do change that. that. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, had I just want to carve with, out um, room on the same side. I agree with that. And I, and I actually had a debate with um, Rick Santorum. Mm -hmm. Actually, so it's so random. We happened to be on a trip together with like 20 people and we were fishing and I was sitting next to him at dinner. Um, and he really went on this rant about smoking pot. I don't smoke pot. It does yeah. not, it's not for me. It's not something that I do. It's not something that I think people should do. I think it makes people lazy and, and, and unambitious. Um, but I also am logical, right? So he's sitting next to me and mind you, he has a glass of wine he's drinking and he says, you know, this is the thing that people should never do. And I say to him instantly, I say, have you ever smoked pot? And he says no. And what's interesting about that is that people that have never smoked pot think it's equivalent to methamphetamine. So they think right. that people get all, you know, jumped up and go commit crimes. Yeah, a lot of people and get said, stoned and rob a they, bank. Yeah, and that's like know? the opposite. They right. usually sit on their couch and eat a bag of chips and become extremely lazy and yeah. don't do anything and are laughing and giggling or something, you know, irrelevant. And so that's part of the problem is that, you know, you're, you, you, you've never smoked pot and your, your viewpoint of people that smoke pot is wrong. And this, by the way, again, on a, Right. He and I agree that yeah. I, I actually don't think people should smoke pot. It's just my opinion. But then I'm looking at him drinking the wine. I said, well, in terms of degeneracy in society, what sh what do you think has done more harm? Yep. People that drink. I, said, I, I just can't reconcile how you're drinking wine. And, you know, me, I at that point when I met him, I wasn't drinking. I don't drink now. It's just like, I, you know, I go in and out of my face where I just I don't, I don't drink. And I said, yep. so how do you reconcile you know, how are you a Puritan on that and not on alcohol, which, by the way, you want to talk about people that have been abused because of alcohol, people that have been killed because of alcohol, people that die from uh, people whose families have to uh, go through their parents having, al having alcoholism. I'm like, how do you reconcile that? That's a drug. Yep. And he said, no, it's not. Yeah. And so I said, this is where conservatives get into trouble, right? I said, because you can't at the same time be consuming alcohol, which yeah. we know has ruined so many people's lives, has killed people behind the wheel, um, but say to other people that if they're smoking, you know, a little bit of pot in their bedroom, that they're evil. And it, you just you have to be more careful on that because it makes you look hypocritical. So I think you're obviously completely right. And by the way, what you did there by actually saying that to his face and not like I waiting. I said it right to his face. Right. You didn't wait. You didn't wait. This is what in, in 2020, what would someone really do? It's like, oh, you'd have that kind you'd do it. You'd see him drinking the wine, hear, hearing what he says about weed. You wouldn't say anything, but then you'd go on Twitter the next day and be like, I was fishing with Rick Santorum. And he, you know, so it's great what you did, right? Because that's what it is. That's how you can actually change people. You sit two feet away from them and you, and you do this. Um, of course, I agree with your premise there. Um, now, I'm, again, I'm not trying to make all conservatives believe that. But what I want conservatives to sort of come around to is, oh, we can have a couple 
people in this thing, whatever this is, and 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 by the way, it's happening. And it's not like you guys give out laminated cards, do you? I don't no. think there's there's no laminated there's cards, no laminated right? Cards yet. So so maybe this has already happened already. I, I actually suspect it has because the amount of people that come up to me that say they you know they don't care about gay marriage or they're gay married or whatever, but they were they were once lefties and now basically consider themselves conservative. I don't, you know, it's also that the word I think is a little bit tainted. Conservative. It's not a fun word. It's a fun word. It's not a fun. So conservative. Right. So both of the, right. Oh, I'm conservative. Does liberal sound fun anymore? (laughs) All the words have become so tainted now that like, but that's, but that was really why I wrote the book because it was the idea is think for yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't, if there, if there are 10 important issues, there's obviously more than that, but if there are 10 important issues, if you and I agree on six of them, and two of them we're kind of still figuring out, and two of them we absolutely disagree on. Well, Candace, I still want to live in the same country as you. And, and you know I still what? want to be your friend, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that everyone is just getting rid of. Right, and that, and, and I and I'm so happy you talked about that because I I totally agree with you that the Puritan conservatism doesn't work, and I think that I've actually tried to get rid of that, and I and I, I've dealt with it a lot. I mean, you saw me literally. I, I feel like I've grown up politically in front of everybody, um, and I dealt with You've that a lot. You've done that more than people... anybody, maybe even more than me, because at least when I started. I was starting from like a political base, right? Like I was on the left, I was a, on the Young Turks, I was a progressive, and then I started waking up, but my base was kind of political. I was a political science major, I always cared about this. Mm. That first time you walked into my studio, as you uh, said before, like you were kind of totally figuring it out. I was open at once. and I was open to listening and and, yeah. and I and I never wanted to be the person that pretended to be someone that I wasn't. If I wasn't comfortable answering a question, I would say, you know, this is my feeling on it, but I don't really know much about it, so that's it. Yeah. And it was great. And it, honestly, I always t- tell people that was such a good moment for me to be on your show because you were so accepting of that. You were yeah. like, you don't need to commit to this or this and have an answer right now. And I actually ironically had the opposite experience when I went on Joe Rogan where I was like, I don't I feel like I, there's something more like I don't trust the climate change. And he's like, you need to pick and, or be agnostic and and I was like, I just my feeling is that it's not right because I was told I was going to die when I was in high school uh, because yeah. of climate change and I'm still yeah, here, yeah. but I haven't researched it. That's because you're a survivor. Right, but I haven't researched it. And I felt like he wanted me to pick one camp or the other. And so what I try to do, even in being a conservative, is, is be more open and especially on the pro-choice stuff because I say to people, my friends have gotten abortions. People that I've grown up with have gotten abortions. And I know if they didn't go to the abortion clinic saying, I want to kill a baby. In fact, I know that they learned in school that it was a clump of cells, yep. right? So how can you then, we, we have to be warmer, yeah. right? And saying, and how about saying, you know what? If you got, even if you got an abortion, you can still be pro-life, and that is a stance that I take because it's 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 less black and white. It's less you kill the baby, you're a murderer. That doesn't work. That's the same kind of stuff the left does on the other side. If I believe in my position and I do that, it's it, that it's a life. How about saying to them, I know that you can it can be very confusing when you're young and you're told that your whole life's going to get ruined if you get pregnant. It's just a clump of cells, and you could make a decision, but you you can change your mind. There, there's so much there. So so first off, partly why the left is always screaming is they don't know really what their starting point is. So so people on the right generally if you're if you're an American, you believe in individual rights. You believe that every single person regardless of their skin color or sexuality or gender or blah 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 should have the same exact rights. On the left, you sort of have this idea that the state is kind of supposed to do a lot of stuff and then the disagreement is how much it should do. So the best way I could explain this is if you think back to the 2016 election, it was like if you picture, you know, Marco and Cruz and Trump all up there, they didn't have massive substantive issues. They had issues about personality, right? So Trump was your little Marco and your lion Ted and you're <laughs> this one and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't, but they sort of all believe in the constitution. They all believe that America is fundamentally good and the rest of it. If you look at where the Democrats have been for the last couple of years, it's like they kind of don't really believe in the Constitution all the time. They kind of tell you that. They never say words like freedom and liberty. Imagine if someone walked on stage at one of those things and said the word freedom. People would be like, you're at the wrong event, buddy. Like, (laughs) what what are you talking about here? Um, But I think that gets to why they're so hysterical all the time because – they have this idea that the state is supposed to do a lot and then the next guy is like, no, the state should do more. And then you're kind of like, oh, maybe it should. Otherwise, I'm a bad guy. So it's like when they say they're for $15 minimum wage and then Rashida Tlaib comes along, that's, you know, Bernie's been pushing 15 forever, which is a horrible idea on so many levels and and antithetical to American ideas because why should the government be able to force a private company what to do and put that aside? But then Rashida comes along and she's like, no, it should be 20. And it's like, well, she's kind of right because you just made up a number. So let's, why not make up another number? And then, then somebody's going to come along and go, Rashida, you're racist. It's 25. You know, so it's like, so they don't know what their fundamental principle is. And because of that, 
Because of that, that's why they're crazy all the time. Mm -hmm. Because constantly you're looking around going, who's going to outdo me on something? And I think that's a fundamental piece of why having a debate about abortion, which I've tried to do a million times. Lila Rose, who you've had her on, Mm -hmm. on this show, right? So she's been on my show. I think she's wonderful. Obviously, we have some disagreements on this stuff. I have put out there many times on Twitter, I would love to have a a pro-choice advocate come on the show with Lila Rose. We've invited Alyssa Milano and and the the collection of of usual suspects. Totally respectfully, we've reached out publicly and privately. Nobody. Nobody. And there's a reason for it. It's not just that Dave Rubin is mean or something like that or that Lila's a liar or something like that. These not true statements, obviously. It's that they don't want to actually debate these things in a calm way because they need the emotion to override the argument. Well, because they, they don't believe what they actually believe. And I say that all well, the time. Well, they don't know what they believe. I, I will always tell you if somebody on the left, if they're genuine and they believe what they believe, I actually have respect for them. Like they, if they actually believe these things can work and they believe it, then they'll come and they'll speak to you. Case in point, uh, Russell Brand. Right. Russell, yeah. Russell Brand is a leftist, but he believes what he says enough that he will have people on the other side and say, let's have a conversation and get to and it. And you guys had an amazing discussion, And we discussion, had an amazing discussion because I knew that just because he wanted – he would be in the room. If he was willing to come into the room, yep. I knew that that meant that he actually believed it, right? And we were going to have a back forth. And um, I can't say the same for anybody else. The only person that I came close to having in the room that says these these things on the left was Jamila J- Jalil? Jalil? J- yeah, Jamila yeah. Jalil? Jalil? J- Jamila Jamil, I think that is how you say her name. Um, and so she is an actress on some NBC show called The Good Place. I've never seen it, okay. never heard about her. She literally, the only reason I uh, engaged and figured out who she was is because she was attacking Ali Stuckey, who I deeply respect. Yeah, love that. Um, about, uh, she basically, she tweeted, I'm the ha- so happy I got an abortion, like I do it again and again. She was one of those like proud, like abortions, so nothing. It, it really is just disgusting. Yeah. And I, I said something to her and then we got into it and she said, oh, and I said, you're going to say all this on Twitter, but you would never, ever have a conversation with me on my show. And then she said, well, you can come on my podcast and I have a conversation through and I said game and I knew instantly as soon as I made the offer I said she will get out of this so before this yeah. happened she will get out of it and she tried she inboxed me first and literally tried to insult me and said the nastiest things to me and I, and I held the line and didn't issue one insult back because I wasn't going to give her the wiggle room that she wanted for me to attack her on anything um, and uh, then she ended up canceling because I tweeted after some insane article headline that was on maybe it was on Daily Mail who knows but it said like but like a trans man gives birth to persons, trans, whatever. It was the most, conf- I couldn't even figure it out. It was like a map. And I said, only women can give birth. Women gave birth. Like literally the headline of this article should just be women gave birth, right? Yeah. Um, and I tweeted that. And, and then she wrote that she was canceling the show. She blocked me because her trans employer uh, employees that work with her, her trans colleagues don't feel safe. Because they would feel unsafe if I walked into the room because I tweeted, only women can give birth. See, and this is the exact – I mean, so there's so much there, right? So first off, just the tactics, right? You knew she was going to cancel before it even happened and of course it did because she didn't really want to have the conversation. No. So she just had to figure out a way to go, oh, this is the line that you crossed and I was going to do it yesterday but new information has come across <laughs> my desk and it turns out you're more evil than even I thought. You know, like <laughs> – so like that's that's the first part of it. The second part is that it's like when they when they do all of this stuff to make everything feel phobic. It's all phobic that you have. Phobia is an irrational fear. Now, I suspect, Candace, that if a trans person walked into this room, you wouldn't have an ah! ir- Yeah, you, you'd be okay with it. A, you, you may not even know, right? But you, you may know. And I, kn- I know you. Like, I know you. And I know you would be totally respectful of them as long as they were respectful of you. And you'd want to engage perhaps in an interesting conversation about it. But this actually brings me to something that I've, I've only told this story once and it was very brief. So basically no one has heard this. Uh, but back in December, I was speaking at Turning Point uh, Student Action Summit, which you spoke at as well. And uh, Trump Jr. was there and he asked and he had done my show and we've become kind of friendly. And now we're all in these weird circles, right? Like it's, a, it's very bizarre that we're all like, oh, I know this one, this one knows this one. It's, it's kind of whatever. Um, and he said, would you, uh, would you and David like to join uh, Kimberly and I at dinner tonight? I was like, sure. He's like, all right, Mar-a-Lago it is. I was like, oh, that'll, that'll be something. So uh, we go to Mar-a-Lago and uh, I walk in and there's Candace Owens and she's having <laughs> dinner there and with her husband and some friends. And it's a really interesting place. And, you know, there's, so there's these two rooms and I'd say the first room is maybe, I don't know, 60 people or so having dinner. And then there's this other room and we were in there and it's just the four of us. And one table over is the president. He's sitting there with Giuliani and the first lady and a couple other people. And we have a great dinner and, and just, I, I like Junior. He's just 
he's straight up. He's just, he is what he is, right? And then at the end of the dinner, he says, uh, would you like to meet my dad? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll meet the president. Why not? Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, okay. I'm pretty tired. I yeah, 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 I just got to get out of here. I mean, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. Um, <laughs> no, so, so we walk up to him and Trump's sitting down. This is like two or three days after um, after impeachment had been announced. And every article was, Trump's freaking out. The walls are closing in. It's ah. Meanwhile, he's sitting there, his tie's off. He looks totally relaxed. When you see him up close, his hair is... It's even more fluffy and crazy than you think. And you're just like, what is that? But anyway, he's sitting and I'm standing there. And, and Junior says, he says, Dad, I want you to meet Dave Rubin. He's got this great podcast. And he looks at me and he goes, uh, I kind of recognize you. And I was like, oh, well, I'm on Tucker a lot. And, he go, and then he turns to David, my husband, and he goes, and who are you? And David goes, well, I'm his husband. And this is exactly what Trump did. He goes, husband, husband, I want to get up and shake both your hands. He stands up. He shakes both our hands. He says, he's like, thank you guys so much for, for being here. And your friend Adam, that's just great. That's great. And then Melania, oh, and then he goes, uh, he goes, I want you guys to know one thing. I don't give a shit. And I don't think anyone else has given a shit for 20 years. I want you to really know that. Then, then Melania and David started chatting and Junior got pulled away. And I had about 10 minutes with Trump and I told him some political theories that I have and a bunch of stuff. And the guy couldn't have been nicer. And I actually said to him at first, I said, it's an honor to meet you, Mr. President. And I know when I said it, I could have said to him, hey, Don, what's up? Like he could not have cared less about that stuff. But anyway, I mentioned this related to phobia because they'll tell you that Trump is a homophobe. He's a homophobe. Well, I saw a moment of him that was absolutely real. So if he's a if he's a phobe, if he has an irrational fear of gay people, he's really not doing it well. But this is what they do with everything. Right. And they, they put these labels on people and, they, and, and it usually doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like it doesn't make any sense. I mean, he went in in support of gay marriage. It doesn't make sense to say that he's a homophobe, right? Um, he, this wasn't a guy that was saying what he had to say to get elected. But, right? it, but, it, but it does, right. Well, exactly. <laughs> but it does make sense if your only goal is to stifle the opposition. If your goal is not to engage, well, then it makes perfect sense because you can shut down a lot of people. You know, I've told you this, I, maybe we've said this on air, but I've told you this privately for sure, that I get crap Sometimes when you tweet from my, you know, my nice liberals, many of them who've been on my show, the nice guys, you can probably run through your Rolodex and figure out a few. I won't throw them under the bus right here. But I get crap when you say something and people say, Dave, you see, you better say sign to Candace about that. Or Dave, Candace is going overboard and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I find it's, it's disgusting. It's actually disgusting. A, as if I own you or control you or would even want to exert any influence that I might have with you or something like that. But it's also like this is unfortunately what leftists do. It's like there's so much that they probably like about you. But when you do a little something that they don't like or a little tactic or because because you are a little more combative, let's say, or, or you were. I think you are a little bit less now. That's not the way they – because they want to go to nice parties and they want to be invited to the right things. So they can't be too closely associated with you. So it's like you'll do the dirty work for them. And now I feel like I'm in that position too. I'm doing the dirty work for a lot of you yeah, guys you, while you guys up. have all kind of become irrelevant. Right. Um, that that, that might have been a little harsh. But but, like, but it's true. And, and and unfortunately, they you shouldn't be combative. You shouldn't say – but the truth is the truth, right? So it's combative to say – it's considered combative to say only women can give birth. I mean that's a society that yeah. we're in, right? So even if you're looking at what they're weighing against, what makes Candace Owens combative, right? Am I just going down finding random women and being like, F you, you're this, you're that, right? I mean, like, that right. would be like, this person is completely crazy. It's not nice, it's mean, and it's combative, right? To issue a statement that only women can give birth, it, that's not combative. That's the truth, right? right. And, and, then, and so and they then... consider the truth to be combative, but they're okay with lies, right? So the lies, they don't have an issue with it. They, they will never text you and say, maybe you should tell Alyssa Milano that the, the red hat is not the KKK hat. That's not considered combative. Her tweets that that oh that's that's rational. Applaud that. That's great. She's right. she's she's using the history of Black Americans, a very real history, so that she can make her so she can virtue signal about something that she doesn't like. That's all fine. If Candace tweets back at her and says how ridiculous it is because the people that lived through the real Ku Klux Klan are still breathing, like my grandfather, that's combative. So you know what she deserves? Alyssa Milano blocking her, which is, exa is exactly what happened, right? You care so much about Black people that you block them when they tell you <laughs> that what you said about them is offensive to their to their to the people that are still breathing that lived through it. So this is the world we're in. But Candace, they're morally right. 
<laughs> no, right? That's right. I know <laughs> they, that what I said is morally right. So yeah. even though it's factually incorrect, right. I like mean, AOC a- said. AOC literally said that. Yeah. You don't have to be factually right. You have to be morally correct. Right. You know, we're slightly, it's morally yeah. correct to, to, to use the history of black Americans to further um, your political points, right? Yeah. And, and that's what it's coming. And that is, that is. and Dennis Prager says this the whole time, that is the worst sin um, about the left is that they cheapen evil. So you have people like me that are combating lies. Mm-hmm. So we have to be combative because it's a lie and it's should be smacked down because if people start accepting this sort of rhetoric, if people start really believing that we're littering, we're, we're living under the reign of Adolf Hitler and no one's going to say something to, to knock that back, if we really believe that we're living in a time similar, akin to, to, to slavery and no one's going to knock that back for black Americans, that, that that's that's not okay. See, but what's interesting is not everybody, whatever it is about you, let's say, that like gives you the fire to like when you woke up to just be like, I'm running with this, right? I am going to be myself. I'm going to fight for everything I believe. I'm going to fight celebrities and politicians. Like, I'm going to challenge people. I'm going to go to Congress. I was with you that evening after you you mopped up over there. And it was it was unbelievable. Like, you, you just take no prisoners. But a lot of people don't have that within them. And I think showing people, you have to model it for them that you can escape. And I think that that's why the amount of hate that we get is particularly high. I happen to be gay, big damn deal. I I would prefer actually if it never really came up. Um, but you know, because we talk about things through the lens of identity politics that they've handed us, sometimes it's you have to bring it up, right? As an interviewer, it, something comes up. Or it would be great for me to sit with you for an hour and not have to say anything about blackness per right. se. Yet we have to fight something, but they really don't want us to walk. You can't just – what are you talking about? Candace is just going to walk away from the Democrats, a black woman? You think she's just going to escape? A gay guy is just going to escape? And what they fear is not the two of us specifically. It's that we're modeling behavior on how other people can escape. Right. And all we're really doing – it's not that we set out to do that, right? We didn't sit there with a guidebook like, how do you get the hell out of here and what are we going to do and everything. It's just that – you started thinking for yourself. Right. I mean, it, it, what it comes down to is that sexuality, race, these are attributes. These these, these are not, they, sh- they, they should not define your character. And this is what the left gets wrong all the time, right? Like me being black does not define my character. That You should not know what I think because of yeah. the color of my skin. You How being gay should not define be. your character. It should not say instantly whether I should know, oh, well, I should know everything about this guy and what he thinks because he's married to a man. That That's crazy. He's and gay. He it's must insulting. be for a progressive tax. It's like, insulting. It makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He must be for progressive tax. Yeah. Right? He must there, thereby assign through all these socialist policies. Like, and, and, and unfortunately, because they've allowed these things to become identifying things, not just attributes, not just, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, five foot seven, I'm black, I'm female, yep. right? Now they want to turn it into, you are female, therefore, it's a, it's a character thing. It defines everything about you. It means that you have to think this way. But by right? the way- You must be a feminist because you are a female. What? But also, there's so many reasons it doesn't make sense. So you see this all the time. This just happened over the last couple of weeks on The View. Megan McCain is talking about how you shouldn't just vote for someone because they're a woman, which is, of course, the correct position. That would, that would be like saying just vote for someone because they're a man. It just doesn't make sense. And uh, then Joy Behar saying, no, you should vote for women, vote vote for women. And then Megan basically was like, all right, well, maybe I'll run. Will you vote for me, Joy? And Joy's like, ugh. <laughs> and it's like, man, the level of hypocrisy here is crazy. Of course, of course, Joy shouldn't just vote for her as a woman. But it's like you don't mean vote for women. You mean for vote for women who behave the way they That's that right. you want them to behave. And that is so – it's so dangerous. And by the way, I mean you see the, the end of this constantly, right? So Cory Booker pulls out of the, uh, of the election because he's getting no support. Nobody really likes him. That's just kind of how it is. He comes off as this sort of neither here nor there, corporatist something, whatever. What, is, what does he immediately do? It's because of racism. Of course. Elizabeth Warren doesn't get really any support except the, the media loves her because she's this sort of librarian that whatever. I don't know what the deal is. You know, this Native <laughs> American librarian, something, whatever it is. But, but then what happens? It's because they're, they're sexist. But what they're saying is they're not saying that we're all sexist. They're saying their own base is sexist mm-hmm. and racist. Mm-hmm. Who voted in Democratic primaries? Right. Democrats. Right, right. So so it's not just that they turn it on all of us, you evil conservatives and libertarians and people on the right, Republicans. It's not just that you're all a bunch of sexists and racists. They end up, because, because it is so ideologically inconsistent, they end up turning it on themselves at the end. So Booker has to say at the end, 
there's no diversity up there. I was the black guy. You're racist. Right. Warren has to say, ah, it's just two don't, old don't white guys Don't talk about Obama, now. by the way. Let's not think about the no, fact no, that- No, no, we have to forget that forget guy. Forget Obama. Forget him. But it's because of the racism. And, yeah. and that's exactly right. And it and it really, it really goes back to the thesis that at the end, the left always eats their own. Because they have yeah. to. They have to eat their own because it's the only way it works. Leftism, leftism only works if it eventually can come back and kill you somehow. And that was b- the beautiful thing that you saw, despite the fact that going back to Jamila Jamil that she canceled me, two weeks later she got eaten by her own. You want to know why? Whoa. Because she, she, uh, she's an actress and uh, she was going to, uh, I guess, said she was going to play a part and she was going to play a trans person. Oh, right, right, you right. No, actors are no longer allowed to act. No, no. You, she if- took the part away from the queer person because she was playing the part. So you want to know what Jamila did when they were eating her and they were all saying how wrong it was? She came out as queer. Oh, oh, right, right, right. She's now <laughs> queer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's it's like, brilliant. um, uh, am I getting in trouble for acting? Uh, never mind. I'm queer. I've been queer my whole life. And they were like, "Are you kidding me?" Are, she's like, "No, I've I've always been queer." This is the lunacy now, where it's like you, actors literally acting. Yeah, acting. So let's just be clear. When you act, you're basically just pretending to do something. You're so saying if you're, you're not this, right, whatever so, it is. Uh, so if you're a nuclear scientist, let's say in a movie, you're probably not one in real life. You're pretending Leonardo to be DiCaprio this Leonardo DiCaprio did not actually die in the Titanic in 1914. Did you know that? Leonardo DiCaprio did not actually well, that, die. Well, that's news to me. He was acting. That is. Wait, so Tom Hanks wasn't stuck on that island? He wasn't stuck on the island. This, this is never bizarre. <laughs> but they're actors. And by the way, actors, you know, I say this as, you know, I, I came out of the stand-up world and I, I took a couple acting classes back in the day. Actors are the worst people there are. Actors are the most self-absorbed. Uh, it was a running joke because I would take I would take a few acting classes. I only did it for about a year, but I did it with comics. And comics, for all the neuroses and weirdness around comics... And and perhaps ego stuff and all that stuff. I'm not denying any of that. But comics, like, you, usually you go into comedy because you've got something to say. You're, you're trying to, like, get to something true somewhere and you use comedy to do it, right? But actors, for the most part, just want to be looked at. And then suddenly we take these people who just want to be looked at and because Chris Evans and Mark Ruffalo are Bernie brainwashed buffoons – they can say whatever they want now, and you can still be pretty successful in Hollywood and be in the Avengers, uh, as opposed to maybe somebody on the right in Hollywood who might dare say what they think, and then you know you're out. Which is why you know I've had Adam Carolla on, and he has said many times, you know, if you if someone's in Hollywood and you don't know what they think, they're a conservative. So it's like that's exactly right. That I don't know what exactly I don't know what Seinfeld right. thinks about anything. Right. Hmm. But I mean, it's gotten to a point, and that's what I say is like it, there's no way they can win, right? And, and they're starting to see that where you have to start pretending to be queer because yeah. you're not allowed to act like wouldn't, you're queer. Wouldn't it be something if I was Even, pretending? I mean, like seriously, like, I've been this with David for ten no years. No one can survive. Tell me, tell yeah. me, in what scenario you can survive when you can't even do your job because it's it's seen as offensive because you're taking the part from a real queer person who should have been able to act. Yeah. Like I mean that we have officially reached peak lunacy. And this is why it, it goes back to the death of comedy, right? When they're getting in trouble because they're telling jokes. Comedians yeah. are over telling jokes. Actors and actresses are in trouble for acting. Who is going to survive this apocalypse? Left this apocalypse? None of you, which is why we're getting more people that are saying, mm, maybe I'm not as far left as I thought I was because it turns out that I can't survive it. So if you didn't get hit by the Me Too storm, if you didn't get hit by the hurricane of actors aren't allowed to act, if you didn't get hit by the hurricane of comedians yeah. can no longer tell jokes, like yeah. wh- where, who is left standing? Well, remember that beautiful one where that uh, Mark Duplass, who's a Hollywood director and actor, and uh, he all he did was tweet out that, Basically, in effect, he said Ben Shapiro's. I disagree with him on some stuff, but he's he's not a terrible human. I mean, that was in <gasps> essence. Did he tweet y- yeah. Ben Shapiro well, not is a- not a terrible human? Yes, um, that was it. That was that was basically <laughs> it. And mob went bananas. He had to delete the tweet. He had to issue an apology. It wasn't just a Twitter apology. I mean, he had to write something and post that and that 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 that. And it's like remember man. the trauma of what happened on my show, the unspeakable moment. What uh, did you do? Uh, the, you don't remember that unspeakable I'm, moment I'm where sure I uh, Mario Lopez oh, said that children yeah. shouldn't make permanent decisions. Yeah, and then he had to bow to the mob because everyone knows a seven-year-old should just be able to decide how whatever gender they are, and he, then you how get dare the surgery he say that, that they want. children are not well-equipped to make permanent decisions in their lives. But but the beauty of this is, look, the Oscars doesn't have a host anymore. They have destroyed, and that's the thing: social justice, because it is neither social nor about justice, will destroy every institution that it in, that it is part of. Once it is let in, it's a parasite. Once it is let in, so so this is another great example of this. Would be um, I forget the name of the publishing house, but just in the last couple of weeks, Woody Allen had a memoir coming out mm. in the publishing house because because basically low-level employees 
uh, decided that they didn't want the book to be published. They did a walkout. Uh, and they did a walkout. And then what did the publishing house do? They they bowed to it. And now the book won't be published. Now, this is not a commentary on what Woody, Woody Allen did or did not do. But the point is that once you let social justice in, it will destroy, it will destroy Harvard, right? I mean, it's destroying Harvard right now. Harvard says if you're Asian, it's going to be harder to get in here. Asian people happen to be really good at uh, testing and really care about education and family and all those things. You might want more of them if you really care about educating people, right? So it will destroy Harvard. It did, they, they rescinded their offer to Kyle Kashuv because he did something when he was 15 years old. I mean, it's, it's while they put in David Hogg, who's, mm-hmm. who had lower grades, Kyle graduated number one in his school. I mean, in, in his class, there's a million examples of this. But every institution, we see this at the New York Times. We see this at, at all of these universities. You let social justice in because you kind of think it's good or you kind of agree. And next thing you know, it lights a fire. It's a parasite. And it will, and, and it will the, suck the blood. It is, it is a literal parasite. There, yeah. You can't survive it. So it's yeah. like, I'm just going to let a little bit of this tape worm into my body and see how it goes for me. No, it doesn't work like that, right? Yeah. So you immediately have to spell it. And that's what I do. You know, that's why I'm combative. You immediately have to spell it because there's no room for it, right? And, and it's a difference between being polite and allowing something that you know to be fundamentally wrong and backwards. You don't win. Yeah. I mean, Wayfair. Wayfair employees, to give another example. Remember, so after the left shrieked and shrieked and shrieked about how kids were treated... At the border, remember this that that phase of the apocalypse, right? Oh Where yes, what, the kids what, what, were dying. What happened? I know it's a... gone now. Wayfair yeah, now was actually out, right? selling the beds yeah. for the kids to sleep on. The Wayfair employees walked out saying that Wayfair should not get the beds. So you're complaining the kids are on the floor under foil. Well, you gotta but take now you're, out the... but now you're, <laughs> yeah, now you gotta take out the company that's giving them bed because even even being associated um, with the DHS was problematic, right? But do you and see I'm like, why... this makes you you don't want the solution, so you like the problem, <laughs> you don't like the solution. So what are we doing here? This but, is this but is crazy what they, land. They want this perpetual craziness, and that gets back to where we started here, which is that th- I really do believe. This is a, a crisis of meaning, which, by the way, I mean, I write about this in the book. This is one of the things that that brought me back to being more of a believer, by the way, because, you know, they talk about the God-shaped hole. These people, the, the Bernie crew that thinks government can do everything, it's because they believe man can do everything. And I don't think man can do everything. And by the way, man didn't make me free. I was born free as the birthright of being a human being. There was something before us. Why did the, the founders talk about God-given rights? The state did not make you free. God made you free. Now, we can debate all day long about what, what that means and what God means and the rest of it. Um, but they are endlessly trying to fill a hole through outrage, through the, the next craziness of the day, you know, um, for, through any of those things because they, they don't have real meaning. And that, that is the huge problem. And the example I always give on this is that you, you watch the, the, the Avengers, right? The Avengers mm-hmm. movies, you watch on them. So, you know, Thanos basically was Bernie. He, Thanos was a socialist. He thought, all right, I want to – there's finite resources in the universe. But what did he have to do to keep the whole thing going? He was going to have to kill Everybody. half of the living creatures in the universe. And that's why socialists kill so many people. Thanos was sitting there going, I'm the only guy I'll do it. He thought he was the good guy because mm-hmm. most bad people think they're the good guys, right? And – that's what these people are leading us to. They want to create this perfect system. There is no perfect system. We're imperfect. We're the ones that built the system. So the second someone tells you we can do all of these things, and Bernie's the perfect example of it because he's never done anything, right? Like as, as someone that's created things, I'm far more successful. I have a small business. We have eight or 10 employees now. Like we're, we're chugging along doing something nice. I created something. You created something. Bernie's never created something. All he knows how to do is burn things down. That is so interesting. And then to really get it to where you're at, they will destroy him because of it. They right. have the, this ends with Bernie being destroyed. AOC and the rest of the crew, once once they realize it didn't work under Bernie and Bernie didn't get them to the finish line, they have to now take him out. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get his just desserts. Like yeah. the poetic justice related to what he unearthed this thing and congrats buddy. It's coming for you. That is, that is so true because they, they have to eat their own. And actually, it, it brings me back to a moment um, when Charlie, when I was just kind of getting started and, and Charlie Kirk and me were sitting down and again, just, you know, fresh Candace, like I know something's not right. I'm still kind of learning, but I better learn fast because everybody wants to take me out left and right, right? Because you got to be, yeah. the Puritans need you to, to have an I- answer about every single issue uh, that, that's ever been discussed. And the left just wants you gone because they don't like the Can way your ideas are going. Go. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and Charlie sat me down and he said, let me ask you some questions. And, and, and the question they said was the most important question I was a conservative to ask yourself is, um, do you think human beings are basically good or basically evil? Fundamentally, like, uh, do we tread towards goodness or evil naturally? Mm-hmm. And um, and he said, to, 
to really understand what conservatism is, is that you have to understand that the answer is evil. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it, it, we, we are taught goodness, right? And our, our, our parents teach us goodness and we're told to make good decisions. He's like, but if you leave us to ourselves, the tribal nature takes over. It's, you know, kids, that's why kids hit each other and they're fighting all the time. But I would almost add to that and I would adapt to it now after some time. And I would say the most, the, the, the biggest uh, question to ask yourself and the fundamental question that I would ask people is, do you think society is perfectible, mm-hmm. right? And everything yeah, is written into it. that question. If you really think the answer is yes, you are going to be a very easy person to manipulate, right? And, 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 and that's what we're seeing. You're going to be deeply miserable along the way. Miserable yeah. and constantly manipulated if you think society is perfectable. And that's what I say to people when they go, Candace, you, how can you say racism doesn't exist? I have never, ever said racism doesn't exist. I've said not only does it exist, it's always going to exist yes. because that is sort of like a clause of humanity. People are evil. People are mean. There's always going to be like, oh, I don't like Dave because he's got brown hair, right? Yeah. Like, I don't like David because he's Jewish. I don't like Dave because he's gay. I don't like him because he's black. Whatever it is, that's always going to exist. There is no government that is going to stamp out the fact that human beings have bad thoughts. But, you, ba- you, but you, bad you, governments you, have tried, and guess what? They're they usually socialist governments. And they're socialist governments, and then you know what? Yeah. They, the only thing that they do, and they, they do do a good job. You have to give socialists credit. They are, or they are correct to say that they are going to make things equal. They're going to make everybody equally miserable. That's the guarantee that you're going to get. Well, well except the, the top level people who get Well, they're the, going to be great. The government's yeah, yeah. going to be great. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the socialist government the will guy. make everybody else yeah. miserable. And, and it's because they, they are somehow able to sell to people that society is perfectible and they can change the way people think. Right? But by the way, that's, I can why, make them that's love why it sounds black good. People. Yeah, but that's why it sounds good for young people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's sound, if, you, if you're young, it's like, oh, everyone before me was some sort of schmuck or an idiot or a buffoon. And it's like, that's why I remember when Oprah had that line a couple of years ago about about racism. And she was like, you know, it's mostly old people and they'll die. And it's like, well, now, yes, old people do die. <laughs> but most of us have had grandparents and most of those grandparents are old and they came from a different time. And my grandparents weren't racist in any way that I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps, you know, living in a different time, I have no idea what my grandpa did in 1950. Like, I don't know, maybe. But like, would the answer be, let's say, let's say it turned out that my grandfather, who again, I have no evidence that he was racist in any way. Probably was because that was the time. Let's just say racist or whatever that meant at the time. Maybe he didn't do enough to fight laws that were unequal or whatever you want to project, right? Let's just pretend. Would that make sense that, well, at 86, it would be best if he just dropped dead? Right. That would be the best solution, that these people should just die off. And this is what they do. And that's going to die off with them. And that's going to die off with them. Hate will be gone. As as, As soon as your grandparents' generation dies off, the ability to hate is going to be gone. And by the way, once you realize exactly what we're talking about right now, that we can't perfect the system, then the best thing that you can do, and I think this is how you red pill the the lefties the best, is say, guess what? I agree with you. There's all, all sorts of problems, all sorts of problems. And let them list all the all the stuff that they, disagree, you know, that they see as a problem, right? And say, well, okay, uh, you think Trump is Hitler. You think the go- evil government does this, blah, blah, blah. Well, how about you just scale back the power of government? How about that? How about we do it that way? Instead of just giving more power to the thing that you hate the most, hoping that your guy is going to be a lot better than my guy, right? Like hoping your team's better than my team. Perhaps that's not the answer. Perhaps the answer is we will just try in, in I would say in small ways, actually, because the American experiment is so good that you don't want to, I don't want to strip the government of all of its power. I don't want to, I don't want to fund, that was the thing. Bernie was, I want to fundamentally transform the country. I want, uh, uh, he always says political revolution, which is kind of funny because all revolutions are bloody. Every revolution everywhere. So he just put political in front of it. Uh, It's like like the Democrat socialists, like, or so what is it, uh, what do they do? The, I'm a, what, how do they how do they abridge the word? Yeah, they're they're democratic, democratic socialists. socialists. But, but yeah. I mean, I've been saying for years they're yeah. just going to drop the democratic part soon. I think this election is the end of that. There will there will be a socialist party mm-hmm. that will be more functional. And socialism, by the way, and, and uh, Margaret Thatcher gives a great quote about the difference. Which I think it's Margaret Thatcher. Don't quote me on that. But between the difference between socialism and communism is is suicide or homicide. So you can do it yourself <laughs> by voting them into it, yeah. or they're just going to do it because they're the government and take control over. It's, like it's, you know, it's suicide and homicide, right? So you can vote it in, Democrat. You can democratically vote this communism in via democrat socialism right. or that they do it themselves and I was like that is the best way to say it is it that you're also the uh, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out you of run other people's, people's money, money. Yeah. yeah it's like it's <laughs> like just, so, just so good it might have been it was either her or Winston Churchill who gave the suicide or homicide you know so like yeah, yeah you can vote it in if you want those Brits they're so wordy <laughs> I know they're so wordy they're you know, so they, wordy. they've really gotten it down um, but it, it, it's an interesting time to be alive and I always ask this question on my show are you 
optimistic or pessimistic about the future? Because that's an important, it's an important question to ask people. Yeah. Well, I definitely could not do this if I wasn't an optimist. I would say I'm a world-weary optimist. I, I am not like some wide-eyed optimist. There are some people that just like wake up and they just think like the world will sort of either bend to them or that just magically things will continue to get better. I think we live in a deeply precarious time. We really do. Like, th think about all the things we've talked about here. These were not things that we really had to talk about 10 years ago. doesn't mean things were perfect 10 years ago, but but Bernie and, and whatever's happening with the left and the idea that young people kind of think socialism is cool if that is, is really what's going on, and sometimes it's hard to tell because of Twitter nonsense and the rest of it. We are in a precarious time that people have forgotten what freedom is. And what I think is going to happen, and I... I did this long thread on New Year's Day about what I think this year is going to be like. And I, I predicted that this would be the end of the intersectional socialists. And I think we're seeing that now with the Bernie thing. Not that it will be the end of all of the ideas, but I think a lot of it will finally burn out. I think the adults will start getting back in the room. We have watched this thing come. Enough of us, and I include you in that, have hit this thing. You know, Dennis Prager has been fighting this thing forever. Larry Elder. I mean, tons of people that, you know, that we now associate with and can learn from and, and talk to. It's, it's pretty awesome, actually. Um, but I would say I'm world-weary because it's going to take serious work. It, it takes way more work to tell people it's your life, be responsible, find purpose, all of those things. Those things all kind of sound a little scary. I said, I said, no one's ever read, uh, no, no one's ever won an election with the slogan, be more responsible. Yeah, or <laughs> be more responsible. Or, elect me, we don't already do, be more responsible, right? I'm going to tell you guys, be more responsible. No one's ever won an election on that slogan, right? How about elect me? <laughs> I don't want anything to do with you. Right, right. Let me clean your bed. Right? Yeah. Make make your bed. No did, one's ever won on responsibility because it's it's a harder pitch. Did you ever see uh, Brewster's Millions with uh, Richard Pryor? No. It's a great it, it's a great like 1986 movie. John Candy's in it, but the premise of the movie basically is that um, uh, Richard Pryor he has this long lost relative, an old rich white guy who in his will, he has no more relatives left. So he gives Richard Pryor $30 million and he says, you have to spend, because he hated money. The guy ended up becoming so rich that he became, he eventually hated money. So he says, you're my last relative. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you 30 million bucks, but you have to spend it within a month. And if you do, you'll get 300 million. Otherwise you get absolutely nothing. So what does Richard Pryor do? He, amongst a bunch of funny things that he does with the money, he runs for mayor, I think of New York City, and they have these horribly corrupt Democrat, horribly corrupt Republican. And he runs and his slogan is, um, uh, is it anyone but us? Um, it's something like anyone but us or, or um, anyone but me. None of the above. That's what it is. <laughs> none of the above. It's a good slogan. Meaning, meaning I can't fix your problems. These idiots can't fix your problems. <laughs> and that's, that's really what – that actually is the American ethos right there. Yeah. Don't turn to the government to fix your problem. Think about your own life. What, what could go wrong in, in the world of Candace Owens right now? A lot of, you could have a lot of problems with your landlord. You could have problems in your relationship. All sorts of things, right? But what would be the problem that you'd want the government to do? Now, you might want them to fix the road in front of your house, right? Mm -hmm. And there's some ANCAP people who would say they shouldn't even do that. I'm, I'm okay with the government fixing the road in front of my house. But, like, what problem could you actually have? that the, you, the best answer would be, I need the government to come and fix it. There's none. Yeah. Look, we live – your studio is pretty close to my house, so the exit over here is, is right between us right now. It's a dump over there because we're in L.A. where we have these ridiculous progressive policies and we can't move homeless people anymore, so it's just expanding all over the place. So there's just a garbage bin. It's just like a garbage explosion basically at the, at the exit of the highway to get to my house right now. Now, if everything was controlled by the federal government, that would never happen. But what we did was David contacted our local congressman and now still nothing has happened. But we have a better chance. We have a better chance by going to the local guy than going to the federal guy. And I think that's what people have to understand. It's your life. You, you can't make everyone bow to you. You can't make everyone bend to you. All we can do is make it equal for people. And then, and then you got to roll the dice and work hard and – and smoke weed and sit on your couch if you want to or bust your ass and, and do something else. That's all you can do. And I've watched you do that from day one and that's why I love it. I love it. Like it's, it's, it's inspiring and incredible. The only thing preventing people from their futures are them. You know, it's, it's you are in front of you. As soon as you get out of your own way, you will be successful. Yeah. Um, and that is a great place to wrap this, everybody. Go buy Don't Burn This Book, written by my dear friend Dave Rubin. You're getting good at this, Owen. <laughs> who is going to wrap and give you a two-minute synopsis of his book. That's oh. a fun challenge. Yeah? <laughs> a two-minute uh -oh. synopsis of Don't Burn This Book. On your mark, get set. 
world. I give you author Dave Rubin. Can I get a match and a book? Because that would be the easiest way to do this. Look, I, I wrote Don't Burn This Book because I want people to be able to understand that you can think for yourself. It really is as simple as that. I lay out a little bit of what my political journey is and, and why I left the left and some of that stuff that you guys know about me. But more importantly, I talk about some of the ways and the tactics and the techniques that you'll need to escape yourself. And by the way, since I know a lot of conservatives watch this, it's not just for people that are leaving left, but it's also if you're a conservative, I'm guessing you got a brother or a cousin or a friend or a wife or whatever it is or a kid that is struggling with some of this stuff. And maybe you're struggling with some of this stuff. You might be a conservative who sits with their finger on the button of the remote because you're watching Fox News and you don't want your wife walking in seeing you're watching Fox News. So you flip it to Comedy Central or something. There are so many little things that we're all dealing with related to all this. And I'm trying to give people a little bit of a roadmap uh, to think for themselves. And I make a point. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with me, but, but think for yourself. And if you disagree with me, but can make a good argument, I love it. And then maybe we'll get you on my show. How was that? That was great. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Nailed it! <laughs> Thank you guys for watching the latest episode of The Candace Owens Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.